Hello everyone, welcome to Summit Church Fenton. I'm so glad you've joined me today and I look forward to sharing the Word of God with you. I've been conducting a series titled Jesus the Great Storyteller and what we've been doing is we've been studying the parables that Jesus taught during his earthly ministry. And of course, a parable is a natural story that illustrates a spiritual truth. And uh, Jesus started many of his parables by saying, the kingdom of heaven is like unto. So we've been learning a lot about the kingdom of heaven and how God sees things and how he operates uh, through studying the parables that Jesus taught. And uh, if you've missed any of the previous sessions, you can go to our archives and catch up uh, on anything that you have, have missed, they're, they're all there for you for free. So with that being said, let's continue today with some new parables. Uh, the, the parables today have to do with diligence and watchfulness. Diligence and watchfulness. So uh, turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Luke the 18th chapter. Luke the 18th chapter, and we'll start with verse 1. Uh, then he, that's Jesus, spoke a parable to them. So Jesus is going to share a parable. And uh, he, he spoke a parable to them. And, and here's what the parable was about. That men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Or we could say when the Bible says men, it's talking about human beings. So he spoke a parable to, to them that, that human beings, you and I, we always ought to pray and not lose heart. So as we read this parable, remember uh, each parable has, has one central main truth that we're supposed to get out of it. And, and of course we can glean you know, more than one truth out of each parable. There's many things we can learn, but yet that being said, and, and we've seen that as we've studied these parables over the last many, many weeks, actually all the way back to the first of 2023, we've been on this subject all, all, all year. Uh, we can glean many things from, from you know, uh, the parables. Now, now some parables, there's just one central truth that that's all we, we got, you know, could, could, could get out of it. But yet many of the parables, though they had one central truth, there were other things we could glean from, from the parables. But yet that all being said, each parable, when you get right down to it, has one central truth that it's trying to get across to us, okay? And this one here uh, is that we always ought to pray and not lose heart. We always ought to pray and not lose heart. Well, that implies diligence, diligence, that we should always, you know, be prayerful and be praying and ha have an attitude of prayer um, the, there's a scripture that says we ought to pray without ceasing. And you know, I've learned this, um, you know, you can be prayerful and have, be in an attitude of prayer really all the time. That just simply means, see, a lot of times people think that, you know, praying is you, you go into the in, into a closet or into a room and close the door and just shut yourself up with the Lord and talk to him. And, and yes, there are times we need to do that, and, 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 and I think we should do that. And, and that is a part of prayer, where you, you shut yourself away, just you and the Lord, and, 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 and you know, you're, you're talking to Him. And, and by the way, prayer isn't just 
us talking to the Lord. <laughs> prayer is also listening to what he you know, might be speaking to our hearts. But uh, that being said, you know, when the Bible says pray without ceasing, sometimes people think, well, we ought to just go lock ourselves in a closet and stay there all the time and talk to the Lord. But I don't believe that's what the Bible is implying there. When it's, you know, there's a verse that says pray without ceasing. I believe what that means is that we should always be in an attitude of prayer. Uh, and again, a lot of times people think that, you know, to pray, you have to fold your hands and bow your heads and close your eyes and and that you have to do get down on your knees and you have to do that to talk to the Lord and be in prayer but that's not it at all it's just you, you can you can be in prayer and have an attitude of prayer you know always have your heart open to listening to the Lord or or you know talking to the Lord uh you know you know a lot of times I'm out cutting my grass and I'm talking to the Lord or I'm driving down the road talking to the Lord. And, 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 and a lot of times I'll talk out loud to him, you know, and I guess if people were to see me, you know, or, or observe me, they, they wonder, who's he talking to? Well, I'm talking to the Lord. Now, when I'm around people, I don't, you know, I don't act, act you know, do that. You know what I mean. But I, when I'm alone, you know, cutting my grass, driving in the car, I'll be driving in the car talking to the Lord. And you drive up side of me. There's nobody else in the car. Is this guy crazy? No, I'm talking to the Lord. And you understand. So we can have an attitude of prayer about us all the time and and keep our spirits open to the Lord. You know, you never know when he may want to speak something to us, uh, uh, to our hearts. I, I tell you what, the Lord has over the years, he's spoken some things to me and uh, doesn't happen regularly. But I tell you what, there's been some pivotal times in my life where where the Lord just has spoken some things to me and just just so clear on the inside it's the Lord I've I've I I know the voice of the Lord and and there's there's some times he's spoken to me and uh uh and and I can't I can't orchestrate when that's going to happen and you just never know when he might speak up and say something to you right on the, I don't mean an audible voice he could do that but use an audible voice but right on the inside speak to our hearts and, uh, and, and, and that's just being in an attitude of prayer all the time. And so, and, and it takes diligence to do that, but I've trained myself to do that, to, 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 you know, just always be in an attitude of prayer. And, uh, and he, he, this parable is going to illustrate that to us. And again, as we read this parable, we don't want to, you know, like I said, we can glean many things from, from the parables, but each parable has one central truth. And the central truth of this parable is that we always ought to pray and not lose heart and not lose heart. And so verse two, <laughs> said all that to get to verse two. Here's the parable. There was a certain city, uh, there was in a certain city, and Jesus is giving this parable. He says, there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. So this is the heathen judge, okay, and, and, and a, 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 not a nice guy probably. And there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. See, she 
was diligent and she refused to give up. Uh, she refused to lose heart and give up because he wasn't responding to her, but she continued to ask him and continued to, you know, stay on him. And, uh, and, and, uh, and, and he said that, you know, uh, he said, though I don't fear God or regard man because this widow troubles me, I will take action. It was because of her diligence, her persistence and diligence. This is sometimes known as the parable of the persistent widow or the parable of the, the, the crooked judge, however you want to uh, title it. But she was diligent. She wouldn't give up and quit. She wouldn't take no for an answer. And, uh, and, and, and she was, you know, make, I guess we could say making a nuisance of herself. But, you know, the squeaky wheel gets to grease. She wasn't going away. And uh, he said, by her continual coming to me, she's going to wear me out. I'm going to answer to get her off my case, is, was, was this judge's position. Then the Lord said, Here, verse 6, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Now, we could preach a whole message out of verse 8 that, that when the Lord returns, and we're going to talk about that here in just a moment, the return of the Lord in one of these upcoming parables. But one of the things he's going to be looking for is faith. You know, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Uh, much we could say about it, but let's just stay on, the, on this parable here. What the parable... Of, uh, uh, this parable about this this widow who's coming to this unjust judge, she's just not going to take no for an answer. And, and she's persistent. She's diligent. And now, now there's, there's much I could say about this parable, but I think that we must on, on this parable, we have to stick with our rule of thumb that each parable has one simple central truth though we can glean many things from all you know the parables as i've said one central truth and what is it what do we get out of this 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 parable this woman she wouldn't take no for an answer that we always ought to pray and not lose heart and that's what that parable the central truth of it i mean verse one tells us what the central truth is so we, you know, let's just stick with that here on this parable that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. We need to be like this widow and, and just be diligent and, and, uh, uh, you know, in, in our prayer life. And, and like I said, have an attitude of prayer about us all the time. Uh, now before I say any more about this, Let's go to Luke, the 11th chapter, because in Luke, the 11th chapter, we see another situation that's like this or another parable that's like this, that's illustrating, in my opinion, the same thing. It's uh, called the parable of the persistent friend, um, the diligent friend. Again, these parables are illustrating diligence to us. 
Luke 11, 5, And Jesus said to them, Which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. <laughs> You'd consider it to be a friend coming at midnight. But anyway, he said, Which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. Or, or would we do that to one of our friends at midnight? Anyway, for a friend of mine has come to me on his journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, do not trouble me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. So this guy, this guy's already, he's where he ought to be at midnight. He's already in bed, he's going to bed. Put his children to bed, he's gone to bed. But this guy has come and wants something from him. His friend has come and wants something from him. I say to you, verse 8, I say to you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, see, just like that widow with that judge, because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. <laughs> he, just, he just kept bugging him, you know. It wasn't because he was his friend. He just wanted to get him to, get him to go away. You know, so to speak, his persistence, you know, that's why the guy got up. It wasn't because Jesus just said it, it wasn't because it was his friend. They're asking him something. It was because of his persistence, his diligence, you know. And I say to you, ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. And actually this is in the context of prayer also, illustrating that we always ought to pray and not lose heart. Uh, we, we, you know, right here. So I say to you, ask and it'll be given. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it'll be open to you. And we see persistence. We see diligence. You know, um, God is a rewarder, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Not just those who seek him, but seek him diligently. Persistence, consistency. Uh, continual, um, just like that, 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 that widow, you know, she wasn't going to leave that judge alone until she got what she wanted. And, and this guy here wasn't going to leave his friend alone until he got what he wanted. It was the persistence, the diligence that Jesus is emphasizing here. And that's the way we need to be in our prayer life and in, in, in the way we seek the Lord. Um, and, and, uh, the Lord wants us to seek him that way. Um, uh, it's not a matter of us that we're, it's not a matter that, uh, it's not a matter that we're being a nuisance to the Lord, but it's a matter of that we're being diligent as we, we, we seek him. And again, he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I believe it pleases the Lord when he sees our diligence, our persistence, and when, when, when we're, you know, praying and talking to him and, and, and so on and so forth. Okay. Now, with that being said, with these two parables, as I've taught these over the years from time to time, years gone by, um, uh, cause usually I'll, I'll mention these when I, when I teach on the subject of prayer and, uh, uh, which I may well do, uh, do a series on prayer in, in, in the future on down the road. 
as the Lord leads and direct, directs, it seems like that would be something the Lord would, would want me to do as we move along down the road. But I'll usually go to these uh, uh, parables when, when I teach on prayer. And here's a question that, uh, that, that comes up. Now, again, the main, the main issue that we're supposed to get out of these parables is that we always ought to pray and not lose heart. Okay, so that's the main thing. But uh, the question that comes up is, because people will ask me, should we pray about things more than once? Should we pray about things more than once? Or, uh, you know, because people will say, well, if we've really prayed and asked God in faith, um, you know, do, do we need to, do we need to, pray about if we've really asked God for something in faith do we need to continually you know or do we need to ask for that thing again and again and again and again and again and that and you know that's a good question that's a good question and and you want to know what the answer is you know <laughs> so I'm going, to, I'm going to give you the best answer I can on that because people again they'll say you know well pastor if we ask God once for something in faith you know then then if then if we come back and ask for it again you know, if we if it seems like we haven't received it, and then we ask again. Does it mean we weren't in faith the first time when we ask? And and I've seen a lot of people bamboozled by that. So let me try to answer it this way. As you study the subject of prayer, now remember on these two parables, what was the main thing Jesus was trying to get us to see? That we always ought to pray and not lose heart. Okay, but with that being said, you need to understand this: there are there are different kinds of prayer. And, and see, most people don't realize that. Most Christians don't realize that. Most Christians who have been saved for, for most all their life don't realize that. But there are different kinds of prayer. You need to realize that. And, and, uh, when I, when I teach on that prayer series down the road, we'll, we'll cover this and go through each kind of prayer, each type of prayer. But there's several different kinds of prayer. And, and yeah, when you, when, remember the Bible says in the book of James, the prayer of faith will save or heal or deliver the sick. There's a prayer of faith. And when you pray, you know, that prayer, it, yeah, I, I found that you ask the Lord one time and you pray in faith and, 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 and that's it. And then after you've prayed in faith, then you just thank him for the answer. And then you, you know, in other words, you believe you receive when you pray and you'll, and, and you'll, you'll have it. And, and you just continue to thank God for what you've asked him for in faith until the manifestation comes. Okay. So a prayer of faith. Yeah. You'd only pray that prayer one time, but there are other kinds of prayer, you know, like the prayer of dedication, you know, and again, there's different kinds. I'm not going to get into all of them right now, but the prayer of dedication, you'd pray that, you know, you, many, you pray that multiple times. You think about Jesus at the garden of Gethsemane. Remember he prayed right before, you know, he was arrested and taken, you know, before Pilate and then eventually crucified. He Remember, he went before the Father there in the Garden of Gethsemane. Remember when he let Peter, James, and John, he left them just a little bit away from, you know, like a stone's throw away, and he went over and he prayed. Remember that? And he came back and he found them sleeping. But then he went back two other times and he prayed the exact same prayer. 
But you see, that was a prayer of dedication where he was keeping his, his will dedicated and in line with the Father's will. And so that prayer, see, he prayed that same exact one, because the Bible says he said the same thing three different times. So, so I, I trust that that would, uh, and then the Apostle Paul, remember, he sought the Lord three times concerning that thorn in the flesh. Well, I wish I had time to talk to you about the thorn in the flesh. It wasn't sickness and disease. It was a messenger of Satan sent to buffet him. And really what it was is the devil was stirring up people against him, persecuting him. But nonetheless, he sought the Lord three times about that. So there are some prayers, kinds of prayers that you pray more than once. And some you don't uh, like the prayer of faith. But anyway, the main, me- the main message the Lord wants us to take away from these two parables of the of this persistent widow and this persistent friend is that we, we should, uh, we always, we, we should be prayerful. We should be not lose heart and be diligent. I will say this. There was a minister. Uh, I heard him say this many years ago. Um, and, uh, and, uh, very, I won't call his name, but he's a very famous minister and the Lord has used him greatly. And uh, I heard him say this uh, on television many, many years ago. And it's really, it's really interesting, you know, about, uh, you know, about this, like this persistent widow and this friend here who wouldn't take no for an answer. Well, this minister said that, you know, he felt the call to the ministry. And, and uh, as he began to step out in ministry and he was going along, you know, and, uh, and, and, and he said, and I'm just putting this in my own words, but he said, he said, things, the Lord really started accelerating things in his ministry and doors were just opening up and, 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 you know, a lot of good things were happening. And, and it was all about reaching people and getting people saved and getting people healed and teaching people the word of God. And, 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 uh, and this particular ministry was really all about, uh, teaching, uh, Christians, the word of God. And I heard him say this back in the, in the late seventies, early eighties, somewhere in there, but his ministry was accelerating and, and, you know, he was doing all that he knew to do, but he couldn't understand why, you know, he was believing God. All right. For the ministry to accelerate so he could reach more people, you know, but, but he said it was just, just accelerating so fast. He just couldn't you know, hardly keep up with it. And he said he went to the Lord in prayer and asked him, you know, he said, Lord, you know, why is this, you know, of course, I've been believing you for the ministry to accelerate, but but not at the speed that it's accelerating. Why, you know, it just seems like, like I can't fail. Everything we do here is just, just, just zooming along. He said, Lord, Put in my own words, why is that? And the Lord spoke back to his heart. He, he didn't hear an audible voice, but the Lord spoke back to his heart and said to his heart, said, it's your mother. <laughs> and, and the minister said, what, what do you mean, my, my mother? It's your mother. She's in my face morning, noon, and night concerning your ministry and concerning its acceleration and its growth because her heart is to help people and she sees that the Lord's going to use you to help a lot of people. And she's the Lord told him this, 
this is what the guy said, the minister, that the Lord said to him that your mother is in my face morning, noon, and night about accelerating your ministry. And she's, and so, but you see, she was in the Lord's face. She was up before him, just like, like this persistent widow and this friend here. She wasn't going to take no for an answer. She was just after the Lord to accelerate her son's ministry. And it wasn't about him becoming famous and it wasn't about anything like that. It was about helping people. But you see the Lord's answer to him when he said, why is my ministry accelerating so fast? You know, she said, because your mother's in my face about it. And see, like that persistent widow and the Lord granted her request. And, and this minister has helped untold multitudes of people over the year teaching them the word of God. So anyway, those two parables. Hey, let's go on now. Let's go to Luke, the 12th chapter. Uh, those are some parables on persistence and diligence. Let's look at a couple here on, on watchfulness. Watchfulness, which really is akin to being diligent. It's akin to it. Look at Luke, the 12th chapter, verse 35. Now, this parable is in other gospel accounts. Uh, I, I believe you'll also find it in Matthew and Mark. But let's read it here in, in, in uh, Luke, Luke 12. Uh, this is the parable of uh, the watchful servants, the watchful servants. And you'll see that, that you can be a faithful servant as it pertains to watchfulness or, or evil. So let's look at this. Luke 12, verse 35, uh, Jesus said, let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. Now, we'll see in this parable, actually, you, you need to realize the Lord is coming back. You need to know Jesus is coming back. He told his disciples when, you know, after he was raised from the dead, you know, he, he, he told them he's coming back. He's coming back. And remember when Jesus was taken up from them, you know, and they were gazing, the, the, the apostles, you know, and, and the others there with them, they were gazing into heaven and the angel stood, there was an angel standing there and said, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up in heaven, into heaven? They was watching Jesus go off. I mean, he was caught, he was taken up from them and they're watching him and, and there an angel's there side of them and said, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus shall so come again in like manner. And, and, and we know from studying the Bible, the Lord Jesus is coming. Now, every generation for the last 2,000 years thought they were the generation that was going to see the coming of the Lord. And, and we see that even the apostles, I mean, as you read Peter's writings and so forth, and, and Paul, I mean, they thought, and rightly so, they thought the Lord could come in their, in their time, and every generation thought that they were going to be the one to see his coming. And uh, now are we, you know, are we going to be the generation that sees his coming? Well, I hope so. I tell you what, we're a lot closer than they were. And, and frankly, there's, there's uh, been uh, about 2,000 years now known as the church age that has come and gone. And as you study into the end time prophecy, I tell you what, we are, we are close. We are close. And, and I mean, I, I trust we're the generation, but I tell you what, I, 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 no man knows the day or the hour, but we can know the season. We're definitely in the season. 
of his coming, of his return. You know, there's the rapture of the church where the church is caught up, the dead in Christ rise first, and we who are alive and remain, we're changed, our bodies are changed in the glorified body, and then we're caught up to meet the Lord in the air and so forth. That's the rapture, and then seven years of tribulation, and then at the end of that seven years, the Lord comes in what's known as the second coming, and we come with him riding on the white horses, you know, we being the church, you know, the true believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. But the Lord's coming, and I trust we'll be the generation. I trust we will be. And uh, uh, I, I don't know that for sure, but I tell you what, you study the Bible, we're, we're all, all the signs and everything's, thing, you know, he gave several signs, the Lord did, that would be happening prior to his return. So I tell you what, I, we, although I see all those signs as you look, at, and we'll mention some of them here in a moment, but he is, uh, he, he's coming uh, well, we won't get to him tonight. We'll get to him next week to mention some of the signs. But I tell you what, he is coming. Jesus is coming. He is. And he could come before I finish this message. But no man knows the day or the hour, but we do know the season. And you need to remember that he's coming and we need to be watchful. And so the, the, these parables here that we're going to look at here, this one and then the next one on the virgins, the, the, the ten virgins, uh, have to do, it's, they're really setting in the context of his return. Okay, now with that said, Luke 12, 35, let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. Well, that's being watchful. And you yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. So we need to be watchful. The Bible warns us about that again and again and again, to be watchful. And here we see Jesus warning us in this parable. You know, we need to be full of faith because when the Lord comes, we read it, read it a moment ago, he's going to be looking for faith and watchfulness. And we'll, uh, uh, so blessed are those servants when the master, when he comes, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. And if he should come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come. Now, here's where the parable really kicks in. He's painting a picture of a thief, you know, robbing a house. And he says, know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched. He would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready. Because the Bible says in another verse that the Lord is going to come as a thief in the night. So we need, if we need to listen to this parable. We need to be watchful. Therefore, you also be ready. Are you ready? You ready to meet the Lord? Be ready for the Son of Man, that's Jesus, is coming at an hour you do not expect. Just like a thief. <laughs> They'll come when you least expect it. Then Peter said to him, Lord, do you speak this parable? So this is a parable only to us or to all people. And the Lord then doesn't reply to Peter and answer that question, but he, he continues on. And I take it to mean he's talking to all of us, not just the, 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 the 12 apostles. So let's read on here. And the Lord said, who then is that faithful and wise steward or servant whom his master will make ruler over his household to give them their portion of food in due season. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find doing when he comes. 
So you need to know what the Lord's called you to do and you need to be doing it faithfully which with a watchful, diligent heart when he comes. Doing it in faith, being faithful. Remember, faithfulness, always doing what you're supposed to be doing when you're supposed to be doing it with a, with a good and right attitude. That's the definition of faithfulness. Always doing what you're supposed to be doing when you're supposed to be doing it with a good and a right heart. <laughs> and that's the definition of faithfulness. But blessed is that servant when his master, uh, whom his master will find so doing when he comes, doing what God's told you to do. Truly I say to you that he will make him ruler over all that he has. But if that servant says in his heart, now, we don't want to be like, this is, this is an evil servant here now. Uh, if, if, if that servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and be drunk. See, that's, that, that's the kind of attitude one would have if they think they've got a lot of time before the Lord comes. But we need to live uh, not with that attitude, but rather with an attitude that he could come at any moment. And if you thought that the Lord was going to come, if you really thought the Lord was going to come at any moment, you'd be living right. You know, you know, you know there's a lot of people that have, have died and they thought that they were going to have time to repent of whatever sin it was that... I, I'm talking Christians now. There's a, there's a lot of Christians who were tampering with sin and they thought that they were going to have time to repent before they died and, and, and death snuck up on them. Don't let that happen to you. Don't say, so, well, what happened to those people? All I can tell you is, is, is there is such a thing as backsliding and there's a dangerous place to die. Now, that's all I'm going to say, feel led to say about right here. Just a warning. And a word to the wise should be sufficient. Don't you get caught in that situation. Okay, we need to be ready, watchful, as though, again, if you thought the Lord was going to come in the next 10 minutes, you'd square your life up real quick, real fast. If there was something in your life that shouldn't be there, you'd square it up real quick and repent. If you thought you were going to die within the next 10 minutes, you'd square it up real quick. But again, there's been, I, I don't know, somebody needs to hear this. <laughs> I don't know who, but somebody needs to hear it. There's Christians who are tampering and playing with sin and they thought they'd have time to repent before they died. I'm not, talk, I'm, I'm not talking about Christians who are even up in years, you know, 80, 90 years old or whatever. I'm talking about people in, 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 in you know, prime of life or 40, 50, 60 something. And they thought they'd have plenty of time to repent. And, and, and they didn't. There's a dangerous place to die. There really is. You don't want to die in a backslidden condition. But anyway, if that servant says in, heart, my, says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and be drunk. You don't, you don't want to do that. The master of that servant will come on a day when he's not looking for him and at an hour when he's not aware and will cut him into and appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. That's where do unbelievers go? They go to hell, don't they? <laughs> Very serious stuff here. And that servant who knew his master's will. Now, now listen, we learned something else here. So what are we learn? What, what are we saying so far? You need to be watchful. Be ready. Be living right. Be watchful. Be full of faith. Do what you're supposed to be doing. Don't get a, don't get a lackadaisical attitude about you and say, oh, the Lord's delaying his coming. And I'm just going to eat, drink, and be merry and live however I want. 
You know, just be be sloppy and 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 start doing things you shouldn't be doing because the Lord could come at a time then when you're not expecting and it could cost you. But uh, but notice something else here in these next verses where I mean it really cost you and get and he said well, that servant will get appointed the same portion as the unbelievers. But anyway, let's learn something else about the Lord here in in these these next two verses, verse forty seven and verse forty eight. Again, Luke twelve. And that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself or do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. So if you know what the Lord wants and you, and you don't do, you don't do it, that servant who knew the master's will and did not prepare himself or do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. Now Jesus said that I didn't. I'll put it in my own words. It's costly to know what God wants you to do and not do it. Okay? But now notice verse 48. But he who did not know yet committed things deserving of stripes. Now underline he who did not know. Because in verse 47, the servant knew. All right? He knew he didn't do what he was supposed to do and he was beaten with many stripes. But here, this one in verse 48 did not know and committed things deserving of stripes. He committed things deserving of stripes, but he did not know shall be beaten with few. For everyone to whom much is given from him, much will be required. And to whom much has been committed of him, they will ask the more. What do we learn here? Well, we learn that, that uh, as I've already said, verse 47, if you know what the will of the Lord is and, and you, you don't walk in it, th- there's punishment coming. There's judgment coming. But then what about verse 48? He who did not know yet committed things deserving of strife shall be beaten with few. In other words, there's going to be a lighter penalty for this person who did not know what the Lord wanted done. And, and, and I had somebody say this to me one time after I, I taught on this. They came up to me after the message and they said, well, it would be better for us just not to know. And I've heard other people allude to, to, to this. They, they said, well, you know, uh, I, I don't really want to know the full revel, revelation of the word of God because I don't want to be held accountable. Now you think about that. In other words, I don't want to have any more light on on the word of God because I don't want to be held accountable because if I don't know what the will of the Lord is, then then I'll be beaten with with few stripes. In other words, the judgment will be lighter on me. But you know, as I've studied into this and and, and inquired of the Lord about this, I believe that the, 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 the connotation of what he's getting across here is this. It's what light of the word of God could you have obtained had you been diligent? You know, uh, uh, it's not a matter of, uh, well, I'm just going to be ignorant and on purpose so that I'll, and then I can tell the Lord, well, I didn't know your word. I didn't know what the word said. So the judgment's going to be less on me. Uh, no, it's what, how much of the word of God could you have learned? Could you have obtained? With, with the time that you had available. I know of Christians that they could be spending a lot of time studying the Word of God, 
but they're, they're, out, they're out goofing off. And you see, if, if, you have, if God has given you time to study the Word of God and, and, and obtain the light of the Word of God and you're goofing off, you're, I believe you're going to be held accountable for, for what you could have, what you had the ability to, to, to learn of the Word of God. You understand? Uh, but, but, so in other words, if, if, you, if, if God's given you time to study the Word of God and you're goofing off, you're going to be held accountable for, for what, you know, what you could have known had you applied yourself. I'm, I'm confident of that. And, and then let me say this. There are some people that, and you look at different parts of the world and even people here in the United States that they're limited. They're limited to the, to the knowledge of the Word of God that they're, that they are able to, to, uh, to have. And, and so, uh, they're limited in, in their revelation of the Word of God and they can commit things that they shouldn't commit and they'll be, they'll, they'll be judged in, in a lighter way by the Lord than people who had the revelation or could have had the revelation of the Word of God and, and, and didn't walk in it. Okay. So there, so God will go lighter on people. He said it right here. He will go lighter on people, easier on people who, who, have not had the uh, uh, ability or the opportunity to have revelation of the of the word of God. You need to realize that about the Lord, because you see, to who He said it, to whom much is given, much is required. So I trust you. You learned something about the Lord there. You know, if somebody doesn't have have the opportunity to have revelation on on, on a certain thing, even though they may violate, then then they may violate some things. That, you know. They're going to be hand, they're going to be dealt with much more uh, uh, in, in a much lighter way than somebody like I said, like the Lord said, who who had had the revelation or could have had the revelation and then they violated it. The Lord will go 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 more stern on that person than somebody that just didn't have the the opportunity to know the Word of God. Yet they they violated some things that they should have shouldn't have violated. They'll be handled in a much lighter way. So to whom much is given, much is required. I trust you got uh, what the Lord was trying, wanted me to get across to you there. And it's, it's something we need to know about him. Now, uh, before we go to the uh, parable of the uh, 10 virgins, I just want you to go to Luke 17 very quickly, because here's something else we, we need to know about the Lord. Uh, and it has to do with, uh, with, with an unprofitable servant. We're talking about watchful servants, but since we're on servants here, let's go to Luke 17, verse 10. We learn something about the Lord here. Oh, grab a hold of this. We need to know this. Luke 17, verse 7. And which of you, having a servant, plowing or tending sheep, will say to him when he has come in from the field, come at once and sit down to eat? But will he not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper and gird yourself and serve me till I have eaten and drunk and afterward you will eat and drink? Does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I think not. Now learn something about how God sees things. Learn something here. Does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? Jesus said, I think not. So likewise you, now listen to the words of the Lord Jesus here. So likewise you, when you have done all those things which you are commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. Oh my goodness, we need to know this. 
We need to know how God looks at things. We can learn something about him here that we need to know. And let's read it again. When you've done all those things which you're commanded to do, you've done everything that God's commanded you to do, you've done it, then you're supposed to say of yourself, I'm unprofitable because I've only done what was my duty to do. Wow. 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 See, most most Christians would say, Lord, I did exactly what you told me to do. Now, where's my reward? (laughs) No, the Lord said, when you've done exactly what he's told you to do, then you say of yourself, Lord, I'm unprofitable. I've only done what you've told me to do. Well, you say, Pastor Terry, what in the world? What, What am I supposed to make of that? Let me tell you what you ought to make of it. You're supposed to do what the Lord's told you to do, but then you're supposed to go beyond the call of duty. Absolutely. You're supposed to go, you and me, beyond the call of duty. We're supposed, because if we just do what's, he just said it. Don't get mad at me. The Lord said it. If we do just what he told us to do and that's it, he said, consider ourselves unprofitable. Right? If we just do what he's told us to do, Consider ourselves unprofitable. Oh, yeah. Because we did just what he told us to do. The implication is we're supposed to go the extra mile. We're supposed to go beyond the call of duty. And that's when we become profitable. Absolutely. I know in, 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 uh, I've had several people work for me over the years. And it's interesting. Uh, uh, many of them just did exactly what the job description was. And thank God for it. Wonderful. Absolutely. And and we're we're thankful for that. But I had a couple of people who not only did the job description, but they went beyond the call of duty. And oh, what a blessing that is when I walk in and, and I saw that they had not only done what was on the list that they were supposed to do, but they went and did, did beyond that. Oh, what a blessing that is for an employer to see that out of an employee. And that's what Jesus is trying to get across to us. And I tell you what, of all the people I've ever seen in my life who, who, who goes beyond the call of duty is my wife. I tell you what, she absolutely, she goes beyond the call of duty. You know, it, 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 I tell you what, I've been married to her 33 years, and I tell you what, in every area, and particularly when it comes to serving the Lord, as we, as we pastor Summit Christian Church for all those years, continue here online, but I tell you what, I watched her in every area that, I mean, of the church, I tell you what, she applied herself and she saw to it that every department was, was, was excellent and was the way it needed to be and that it was, wasn't only, you know, just excellent, but it was, was ultra excellent. And, and anything that she ever set her hand to do, and I've watched it in every area, but particularly when it comes to, to dealing with the, the ministry, she's gone beyond the call of duty. Even, I mean, she would make the, uh, the, the screens, you know, that, that we would, would, the scriptures would get shot up on the wall, you know, and, and the opening screens and the closing screens. And, 
And, you know, I, I even said to her one time, I said, you know, why do you work so hard on those opening screens? Because hardly anybody comes in and pays any attention to those because people before the service are usually always talking and whatnot. There's nothing wrong with that and visiting and with their friends. And, and, and you know, by the time everybody gets in and gets settled and the, and the worship starts, those screens are down and, <laughs> and nobody's, you know, it really even ever sees them. And her answer to me was, well, the Lord sees them. Well, she had me there. It is true. And all that work that she did that nobody paid any attention to, like with those opening screens, well, the Lord paid attention and he isn't going to forget our labor of love. He won't forget her labor of love. Glory to God and her labors. And whenever she's gone beyond the call of duty, see Jesus sees her there as a profitable servant because she didn't just do, I'm talking about my wife. She didn't just do you know, what she was supposed to do, she went beyond the call of duty. I tell you what, she's motivated me over the years just in watching her in a good way. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. And it's been a real uh, uh, motivator to me. And it's been been really, uh, 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 I've been amazed at watching her because what a good attitude she has had. Great will be her reward on Judgment Day, I'll tell you that. Because she is not unprofitable. I tell you, there's been some times I've been unprofitable because I only did what I was supposed to do. But it's when we go beyond that call of duty, that's where the Lord sees us as profitable. My wife's very profitable. And I've seen a good number of other people that that fall into that category. But I've seen a whole lot of people that just do what they're supposed to. A lot of them just barely do what they're supposed to. A lot of them don't do what they're supposed to. And there's no reward in that. So, hey, let's be profitable servants. Let's not just do what he tells us to do, what the Lord tells us to do. But let's go beyond that. Now, all right, let's close up here in Matthew 25. Matthew 25 with the parable of the 10 virgins, because again, this has to do with watchfulness. We're talking about diligence. If you notice, these parables have to do with diligence and watchfulness. Okay, so let's close with this one here. Now, this is in conjunction. This this is Matthew 25, and it comes right after Matthew 24. That's not tough, is it? I used to be a math teacher. We could all get that. Matthew 24, then Matthew 25. Matthew 24 is about the end times, about the end times, the end days, and and the coming of the Lord, and the tribulation period, and and those those sorts of things. And, And so, in relation to that, after he shares that, you ought to read Matthew 24, and then and then uh, context of the end times. Then come into Matthew 25, and he says, "Then the kingdom of the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to." So there it is again, parable, simple story illustrating a, a spiritual truth. He said, "Then the kingdom of heaven will be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise, and five were foolish." Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and, arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready, those who were ready, went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. 
Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, As surely I say to you, I do not know you. Isn't that interesting? Even though they said, Lord, Lord, he said, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, underline that, watch, therefore, for you, do, you, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Now, there is the parable of the ten virgins. Now, I cited this parable in our introductory session back at the beginning of 2023. And, and at that time, I, I told you and I cited this and I said we'd get to it later. Well, it's later now. <laughs> We're getting to it. Uh, remember, each parable, I said this earlier today, each parable, though we can glean at, you know, in, in many of the parables, we can glean many things from the parable, but each parable, at, at, at the, when you get right down to it, has one central truth, okay? And, and, and this one, you got to remember, this one has one central truth, okay? And it's to be watchful, all right? And I also told you in that introductory session that if you went into a parable and tried to make every word or every phrase mean something, you could get yourself into a mess and into a doctrinal mess. And I also told you that you never take a parable and make a doctrine. But yet, if you study the doctrines of the Bible, Jesus' parables would never violate a, a, a biblical doctrine, obviously. So, so right here... People have made, uh, they have gotten into so much confusion and so much mess because they've tried to make every word in this parable mean something. And the parable is simply telling us we need to be watchful for the Lord's return. Let me just say this. For example, some say that the virgins here illustrate the new birth. Well, if you say that, you know, you get in trouble because five of them, he, Jesus said he didn't even know. See, you get in trouble when you, you, when you try to make virgins mean the new birth. And then some come in here and say, well, the wise had oil. So that means that they were baptized with the Holy Spirit or that they were living on fire for Jesus. And of course, then people will say, well, the foolish had no oil. So that means they weren't baptized with the Holy Spirit or they weren't living on fire for Jesus. And if you take that position, then you would, would, that would, you'd have to conclude the baptism in the Holy Spirit and living on fire for Jesus would be a requirement for going in the rapture and so forth. But you see, that violates many other scriptures. And, and it would, it would also indicate that only half of the church would go in the rapture. See, you, you shouldn't make every word or every phrase in a parable try to mean something. You, you get in a mess. And here, like slumbering and sleeping. You know, some say, well, that means that these, uh, uh, they'll say, they'll say slumbering and sleeping means uh, uh, lackadaisical in spiritual things. Yet they all slumbered and slept and five of them got to go in, 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 you know, go in with the Lord. So you see, you can't say that the slumbering and sleeping indicates lackadaisicalness or, or spiritual lethargy. You see, if you do that, you know, what a mess. If you try to make every word in a parable mean something. No, 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 no. 
The simple message of this parable, don't try to make anything else out of this parable other than one thing, and it's this. In verse 13, watch therefore, be watchful, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which Jesus is coming. So be watchful. That's what, You can sum this parable, 13 verses up, in, in one word, watchfulness. Or readiness. Be ready. Be watchful for the coming of the Lord. Well, I hope you got something out of these parables today. Uh, we need to be diligent, persistent, and we need to be watchful. Hey, if you're out there and you don't know Jesus, hey, you need to repent of your sins and call on the name of the Lord Jesus. If you'll repent of your sins and call on the name of the Lord Jesus and really mean mean it, invite him into your heart, really mean business with him, I tell you what, he'll, he'll change your life. You'll get born again, you'll miss hell, you'll make heaven, and he'll make your life worth living in the meantime. Well, again, hope you enjoyed this, and we'll see you next week with, with more on parables. God bless you. Bye-bye.